Thank you, New Hope Band. Thank you all for being here this morning. It's good to be in the house of the Lord, right? Now, uh, I have prepared a sermon this morning that, well, I like it. I'll just say that. I like it. We'll see what you think about it later on. Uh, but I love the Word of God. I love to study my Bible. Uh, I love the Old Testament. I do. I love the Old Testament. I know a, a lot of folks might tend to skip over the Old Testament. There is a lot of difficult stuff. We might as well be honest. There's a lot of difficult stuff to understand. A lot of things that don't seem like they make much sense. or A lot of things seem like they're not very applicable to us today. Many f- folks prefer just to read the New Testament. And, you know, you're allowed to have your preferences. We preached about that before. But let's just go ahead and openly admit that the New Testament is much easier to understand than the Old Testament. Amen? Anyone agree with that statement? It seems like New Testament's very easy to understand. Old Testament can be very difficult to understand. Some of the books, some of the names of the books in the Old Testament are difficult to pronounce, let alone the content in them. I mean, is it the book of Job or is it the book of Job? You know, many things written in the Old Testament can seem strange to us, Right? They, they seem foreign to us. You might read something and think, what in the world? I, I don't understand how this is applicable to me, yet it's supposed to be the Word of God. It's a very different time, very different culture that they lived in many thousands of years ago. Many things in the Old Testament seem like they're unrelatable to modern mankind. Almost like they, the, the biblical authors in the, the biblical times, they were so ancient and so different than us how, how can we understand these things that are thousands of years old? How can they be relevant to us today? I mean, their, their culture was so ancient. that Their culture was so different from us. We have a very modern culture, a very different from them. How can we gain any wisdom? How can we gain any understanding? How can we gain any revelation from these writings that are so old when they were so different than us? I mean, even, even look at the name Old Testament. Notice the word old in it. It's old, meaning it's very, very old. The, the, the Old Testament's it's ancient. Thousands of years old, these writings are. How can these writings possibly be relevant to us today? What do they mean to me right now? I don't see how they can be. How, how, have you ever wondered? What, what they were like, what, what these biblical authors were like. I mean, we're talking thousands of years ago. They were much less advanced than modern man, much less refined than we are today. Have you ever wondered what they were like? I, I often wondered if the, the people from the Old Testament, you know, were they like these prehistoric cavemen type people waddling around, you know, scratching paintings on the side of cave walls of them hunting or something like that. You know, they were very primitive. They didn't have colleges. They didn't have universities way back then where they wandered around saying, uh, me want food, me want woman. You know, that, that's kind of what we think of when we think of human beings from thousands of years ago, right? No electricity, no appliances, no modern conveniences, no vehicles. No modern medicine. I mean, they hadn't gone through the scientific revolution yet. They hadn't gone through the industrial revolution yet. I mean, how could these people 
who wrote the Bible in the Old Testament have anything relevant to offer us today? We, today, we can build skyscrapers. We can fly rockets to the moon. We have complex infrastructure. We have complex economies. We have stock markets investing, all these types of things. Banking systems that are very complex. What could these ancient Hebrew writings have to offer us today? Brothers and sisters, listen to me now. If you have ever thought just for a moment that these biblical authors of the Old Testament, if you ever, ever for a moment have thought of them as less wise or possessing less understanding than modern man, you couldn't be any more wrong. You couldn't be any more wrong. As it turns out, I've been on this mission to study my Bible, to study it. Not just to read it, but to study it. It turns out the writings contained in the Old Testament are extremely complex. They are well thought out. There's patterns and sequencing all throughout the Old Testament. The Old Testament writings have poetry. They have narratives that are extremely intelligent and highly intentional. They use things like comparisons, analogies, parallelisms, contrast, sequencings in their writings to explain reality to the reader. These are not, the Old Testament is not the writings of primitive, unlearned fools. Not at all. Listen to me now. I'm going to go so far as to make this statement. The ancient writings of the Old Testament are so advanced that I might even go so far as to saying that they are the advanced ones and we are the Neanderthals when it comes to their understanding of the things of life and of God. Now, before you get offended at me for saying that, for, for calling us Neanderthals and them advanced, just hear me out. You might think, well, how so? How is it that they're so advanced, you're saying, and, and we are so disadvantaged? Because they, they received revelation from God that's so profound, we have a hard time understanding it today. I have an example just in case you don't believe me or you're not on board yet, I have an example. I brought along an example this morning to explain to you what I'm talking about. These revelations that they received from God, they wrote them and they handed them down through generations to us. And we today, thousands of years later, supposed to be modern man, supposed to be more intelligent, supposed to be learned, we have a hard time understanding them. The book of Jonah. Now if I say the book of Jonah, I'm sure all of you are familiar. Most all of us in here could probably regurgitate what is in the book of Jonah. If I any meeny mining mode any one of you, you could give me a quick synopsis of what the book of Jonah is. You could repeat it back to me. But I think we would be surprised if we actually look at what the book of Jonah is trying to say to us, I think it means something completely different than what we think it means. Now, first of all, what do we think the book of Jonah is about? Well, God tells some fella named Jonah to go and preach to this great city called Nineveh. Now, 
immediately Jonah doesn't want to. He runs away. He's afraid. He, he escapes from God. He, he gets on this boat. He's trying to flee from the Lord. This storm comes, right? Everyone remembers this. This storm comes. They find Jonah asleep, and they wake him up. They're like, what's wrong with you, man? And they end up casting lots. The lot falls upon Jonah. And they find out Jonah's the reason for this storm, and we're all going to sink because of you, so they throw him overboard, right? He gets swallowed by a whale or a great fish, something like that. And in the belly of this great fish, Jonah calls out to the Lord. He prays. God moves on this fish. The fish spits him out on a beach somewhere. And then Jonah finally, he gets this second chance, and he finally goes and obeys God and he preaches at Nineveh and if you remember the people of Nineveh actually heed his preaching and they repent and they get saved that's the book of Jonah right that's what we teach our kids that's all of our understanding of the book of Jonah what's the moral of the story I actually asked a few people this earlier this week I asked them hey tell me what you think the book of Jonah is about you know well uh, obey the voice of the Lord uh, do what he commands you to do, or else you could land yourself in a whole world of trouble. That's what, what Jonah's telling us. Don't run away from God's commands. If you do run away from God's commands, you could end up in a world of hurt for a while. You could be on God's the receiving hand of his punishment or of his judgment, just like Jonah was. That's the moral of the story, right? It's a good story. Well, I mean, what, well, I don't know what's so profound about that. Why are we talking about the book of Jonah? Every last one of us in this room, we learned about the book of Jonah in Sunday school, right? The whole entire book is only four short chapters. You claim these ancient Hebrews writers are so intelligent and so wise and they receive revelation. What's, what's the revelation in that? Us adults, don't we need something more advanced than the children's story of Jonah and the whale? Well, let me say this. Listen to me now. If you think that the reason we have the book of Jonah is to teach us to obey the voice of the Lord or that you can get into some trouble if we try to evade his commands, you'd be wrong. You missed the entire point of the book of Jonah. Now that's a good takeaway. We can read the, the four short chapters of Jonah. If you read Jonah, everyone in here, if you're an average reader, it probably takes you 10 minutes to read the whole entire book. After 10 minutes of reading, you could take that away. You could say, hey, it, th this book is telling me it's not a good idea to run from God. When God commands you to do something, it's not a good idea to run away. That, that's a good takeaway from the book of Jonah. That is a truth that emerges to us from it is true that we should obey God. It's true that we should not run away from his commands we, or, or we could get ourselves into trouble. But that's not what the book of Jonah is trying to communicate to us. That's not what it's about. That's not the, the author's purpose of writing the book. It's not what he intends for us to take away. That's not the reason the Holy Spirit moved upon this biblical author to give us this narrative. Remember, I said we're the Neanderthals and they're the advanced ones. We, we read these books and we pass right over the tremendous revelation of God and we don't even see them. Now we need God's grace this morning to help us understand the profound revelation that these ancient Hebrew writers are trying to communicate to us. So, what is Jonah trying to communicate to us? 
I'm sure hopefully I got you on the edge of your seat now. We can get a clue from the first few verses. This biblical author tries to give us a clue. It's very difficult to see. One of the things I've learned about, and I do try to take these free online classes on how to study the Bible, how to understand the Bible. One thing I've learned about is a lot of times the biblical authors will intentionally leave out details on purpose so as to make us go, hey, what's going on here? Let's look at these first few verses of Jonah, and and we'll, we'll gather a clue right off the bat. Jonah 1, verse 1, says, Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness is come up before me. Verse 3 says, But Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish, from the presence of the Lord, and went down to Joppa. And he found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare thereof and went down into it to go with them unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. So, not difficult to understand yet. God speaks to Jonah, tells him to go to Nineveh and to preach to them. Apparently, Nineveh, which the Bible says it was a great city. It's a very, very large city back in that day, back in that time. Apparently, it was very wicked. Very wicked. If you keep reading in the book of Jonah, you'll see that it's actually described as being filled with violence. So I, I kind of conclude that it means that it had murders, muggings, rapes, robberies, all kinds of those things going on, enough so that it started to bother God. Not that just one little robbery doesn't bother God, but one may not call for the judgment of God. His ways are beyond my ways, but kind of like a Sodom and Gomorrah type thing. God began to start getting angry at it. He began to notice it. If you remember Sodom and Gomorrah, he, he, he rained down fire and destruction and wiped them off the map because they were completely wicked. They turned completely perverse. God is merciful, but after a while, he, he's going to exercise his judgment. And that's what Nineveh is getting close to. It, it's, it's going really bad in this great city of Nineveh that it's really pushing God's buttons and he's getting ready to exercise his judgment. And actually... When Jonah does go and preach there, Jonah actually prophesies and says, In 40 days you'll be destroyed. So God had given Nineveh, it was so wicked, so much filled with violence and perverseness, that God had given them a timeline. And he said, You have 40 days. Straighten up, repent, come out of this sin, start living right, or else you're going to be destroyed in 40 days. Now we know that they repented, so that didn't happen, but... Let's look at verse 3 again, a little closer this time. Now remember, verse 3 comes right after God's commandment to, go, to Jonah to go and preach to Nineveh. To so go to Nineveh, that great city, and, and preach to them. Look at verse 3 again. It says, But Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord and went down to Joppa. And he found a ship going to Tarshish, so he paid the fare thereof and went down into it to go with them unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Now we have to notice what the Bible doesn't say here. We must notice the detail that the biblical author leaves out of this sentence. It does not tell us why Jonah flees unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. 
You see, the author's trying to get us to say, hey, I'm trying to get you to notice something here. He goes and he gets on this boat to Tarshish, but it just says he flees. It doesn't give us a reason as to why Jonah flees. He runs away, but it really leaves the reader guessing as to why this man fled from the presence of the Lord. Why did he flee from the presence of God, the command of God? That's our clue, brothers and sisters. The writer of the book of Jonah intentionally does not tell us why Jonah flees. The, the author is trying to get us to question why Jonah would do this. He wants you to think about it. The Spirit of God moved upon this author because he wants us to think, why did Jonah do this? Why is he running away? The author wants us from the very beginning of this book to question Jonah's intentions, to question his motives. The author is saying, hey, hey everyone, hey readers, Notice that Jonah is fleeing, but I'm not going to reveal just yet why he's fleeing. I want you to think about it as you progress through this story, as you progress through this narrative. I want you to have that in the back of your mind. Why did this man do this? The, the, the Spirit of God is trying to reach out and teach us something in this book here. I told you there's a whole lot more meaning to these Old Testament writings than we think. Now us, in our modern, I'll say, less enlightened view of Scripture, we just assume he's afraid. It's because he's afraid. I mean, it, it's a violent city. It might be scary. Maybe someone won't like what he's preaching. I mean, he was commanded to go in and rail against their sin and their behavior and their transgressions. And maybe it was scary to him. He was afraid to go and preach to them. So Jonah runs. I mean, these are some sinful, bad people that we're talking about. And, and, and we miss the whole point of the entire book of Jonah because we assume I mean, he's afraid. Now we know how the story goes. We won't read it all. But the storm comes. Bad storm comes when he's on this ship trying to, to run from God. That if we're honest, we don't really know why he's doing it. They come, they find Jonah sleeping, they cast lots, the lots fall upon Jonah. Look at chapter 1, verse 15. So they took up Jonah. And cast him forth into the sea, and the sea ceased from her raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly, and offered a sacrifice unto the Lord, and made vows. Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. So it kind of sounds like some of them sailors got right with God on that ship. You know, they, they saw the power of God. As soon as they threw this man in, this man who, he confessed, it's my fault, guys. This is, this is why God is angry. This is why the storms come upon us. Throw me in the sea, and it'll quit. They throw him in the sea, and it goes back to being peace and calm. And these men see this, and they're like, man, his, his God's powerful. And they, they fear exceedingly. They offer sacrifices, and they make vows. So it seems to me like some sailors got saved. The storm ceases, and this great fish comes and swallows up Jonah. Now, pretty much the whole of chapter 2, we won't read it, but the whole of chapter 2 is Jonah in the belly of the whale, and he begins to cry out to God. How many times in our lives do we really don't give a hoot about God? 
what he wants, what he has to say, what's on his mind, what he might want from us, until we're in such a horrible location, we have nowhere to turn, and we finally start looking up to him and calling on God. That's where Jonah is, in the belly of a whale. I'm sure it had to been a disgusting situation, terrible, and he begins to call on God. He calls on God. He actually even quotes some scriptures. Look at Jonah chapter 2 verse 10. It says, And the Lord spoke unto the fish, and it vomited out Jonah upon the dry land. Jonah gets this second chance to do what he already should have done in the first place. God gives him a second chance. The Lord is a God that gives us a second chance. Look at Jonah chapter 3 verse 1. It says, And the word of the Lord came unto Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go unto Nineveh, that great city, and preach unto it the preaching that I bid thee. So Jonah arose, and he went unto Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceeding great city of three days' journey. So Nineveh was this humongous, humongous city. Huge said it was like a three-day journey. In other words, back then they walked most places or maybe rode on a camel or something like that. But to walk across Nineveh would pretty much take you just about three days. It was that big of a city. It was the, the most populated city in the Assyrian Empire. It was located in what we would call the Mesopotamian Valley. Now, if you look on your map today, it's called Mosul, Iraq. It's where this city of Nineveh was. So Jonah gets this second chance, and this time he remembers what happened to him in the belly of the whale. This time he's going to pay attention, Now he's going to go to Nineveh, and he's going to do, he's going to preach to Nineveh the word that God had spoken to him in the first place. Let's look at what happens when Jonah preaches to them. Jonah chapter 3, verse 4. It says, and Jonah began to enter into the city a day's journey. And he cried and said, Yet forty days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. So the people of Nineveh believed God and proclaimed a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them even to the least of them. For the word came unto the king of Nineveh and he arose from his throne and he laid his robe from him and covered him with sackcloth and sat in ashes. And he caused it to be proclaimed and published throughout Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles, saying, Let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Let them not feed nor drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and cry mightily unto God. Yea, let them turn everyone from his evil ways and from the violence that is in their hands. Who can tell, the king says, who can tell if God will turn and repent? And turn away from his fierce anger that we perish not. Look at verse 10. And God saw their works that they turned from their evil way. And God repented of the evil that he had said he would do unto them. And he did it not. Now this is good. This is a good thing. Praise the Lord. The people repented. They genuinely received the preaching that came through Jonah. They received the warnings. They believed him at his word. They listened to the word of the Lord from Jonah. Even the king, he, he gets wind of it. 
Hey, if we don't straighten out our acts, if we don't repent, if we don't come out of this sinful lifestyle, all of us, we're going to be destroyed in 40 days. So the king says, hey, everyone, I am sending out a royal decree. Everyone fast. Everyone call on God. It actually says call mightily on God. The king issues this decree so that God would spare them from their imminent demise. They believed. They repented. They fast even. And sinners come to repentance, and God shows them mercy. He relents. He does not exercise his judgment. He shows them merciful, mer- mercy because they repent. They listen to the word. They, they receive it. They hear it, and they become doers of the word. Now, that's great. We could have had another outcome like Sodom and Gomorrah. Remember what happened with Sodom and Gomorrah? Destruction, death, fire. Praise the Lord, it didn't end like that. Now, okay, in the story, what did we learn about the book of Jonah? Right? We learned that it's not good to run from God's calling or it could go bad for you, right? Well, that's not the end of the story. There's a weird little chapter 4 to the book of Jonah that's kind of like an epilogue, if you will. And if you read it, I remember reading it as a young man years ago. I was young, and I would read my Bible, and I'd read Jonah, and I understood it. And then I'd get to chapter 4, and I'd think, here goes these biblical authors again, writing things that make no sense whatsoever. Talking about a gourd growing up, and then a worm comes and eats the gourd, it withers. It makes no sense to me whatsoever. So my thought is, okay, this book is trying to teach me to obey the word of the Lord. Or I could get into some trouble. So don't run from God's command. Now, we got to remember, the beginning of Jonah and those first few verses, the author did not give us a reason as to why Jonah ran from God. We assume it's fear. He was afraid. But now we come to chapter 4, and the author is going to answer that question. That we should have been thinking about all through this narrative. Now, as I read this, I believe we'll begin to understand what the Holy Spirit was trying to communicate to us. Why this is inspired writing that's scripture. Okay, now remember, these people had just repented. They hear this preaching. Jonah's saying in 40 days you're going to be destroyed if you don't come out of this sinfulness. They receive it. The king proclaims a fast. He says, everyone call mightily on, the God, on God. And they do, and God relents. Look at Jonah chapter 4, verse 1. So they just repented. God relents from the anger. Jonah chapter 4, verse 1 says, But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was very angry. Hmm. Verse 2, And he prayed unto the Lord and said, I pray thee, O Lord, was not this my saying when I was yet in my country? Therefore I fled before unto Tarshish, for I knew that thou art a gracious God, and merciful, slow to anger, and of great kindness, and repentest thee of evil. Therefore now, O Lord, take, I beseech thee, my life from me, for it's better for me to die than to live. Now I hope At this point, maybe some light bulbs are starting to go off. But if they're not yet, let me read that scripture to you in the New American Standard Version. 
Verse 2 again, it says this. This is Jonah. Then Jonah prayed unto the Lord and said, Please, Lord. Now remember, these people had just repented. Please, Lord, was this not what I said when I was still in my own country? Therefore, in anticipation of this, I fled to Tarshish. Since I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abundant in mercy, and one who relents of disaster. Jonah knew that God was merciful. Jonah knew that God was gracious. So that if these people relented, God would relent and God would forgive them. Jonah didn't want that. Jonah did not want that. It was not, Jonah was not afraid. It was not about fear at all. It had nothing to do with Jonah being afraid. Jonah wanted those people judged. He wanted the judgment of God to fall upon those people. Jonah wanted those people brought to justice, at least his version of justice. They were wicked. They were murderers. They were robbers. They were thieves. They were violent. Jonah knew they were violent heathens, and he wanted to see them pay. He wanted to see them pay for them sins. He didn't want God to forgive them. He didn't want God to have mercy on them. He wanted God to judge them and he wanted to see it. It would have gratified something in him. I told you filthy sinners, you should have listened to the word of God. You're nothing but a bunch of scumbags. and You deserve this. You deserve to burn. You deserve to be destroyed. You deserve to be rained down fire and brimstone just like Sodom and Gomorrah. He couldn't wait to see it. Because it was such a sinful lot of people. They're murderers and thieves. And in Jonah's self-righteous eyes, they needed to be held accountable for their sinfulness. They were despicable, violent sinners that did whatever in the world they wanted to do. And Jonah had decided for himself that these people didn't deserve forgiveness. These people didn't deserve mercy. He wanted the judgment of God to fall on Nineveh. Do you now see what the book of Jonah is about? What it's trying to teach us? It's about God's very own people many times becoming the obstacles in God's way to accomplish what he wants to accomplish. God's very own people standing being a roadblock to what he wants to accomplish in our own self-righteousness, in our own sense of justice, standing and telling God, this is what needs to happen. You're giving me the word to go preach repentance to these people? There's a chance they might repent. I'm not going to do it. I want to see them judged. I want to see them burn. Jonah is about self-righteous Christians wanting to exercise their version of justice rather than submitting to God's plan. That's exactly what Jonah's about. But we can't see it. It's not about being afraid at all. Jonah wasn't afraid. Jonah's the one that said, pick me up and throw me into the sea. That's not a fearful man. It has nothing to do with fear. He just wanted to see people pay. He wanted to see people pay. The book of Jonah is about God's very own people not aligning themselves with God's will. With what God desires. 
You know, God desires repentance. He desires salvation. He wants to see people saved. He wants to see people come up out of their sin, not burn in their sin. All of a sudden, brothers and sisters, the book of Jonah doesn't seem so much like a child's story anymore, does it? We like to push it off and say, well, Jonah and the whale, that's for Sunday school. That's for children. But all of a sudden, when we see it through God's grace, it's not so much a children's story anymore. The author of the book of Jonah, through a narrative, reveals to us the character of God. That's what he does. That he is merciful to sinners. That he's merciful. It's, it's what God is. It's his character. It's his nature. That he would rather save people than judge them. We want to see people judged. We want to see them brought to justice. We want to see them held accountable. I shared a story with you a couple weeks ago or so. In one of my sermons that, I don't know, it was a Wednesday night after church. I was driving home and this set of headlights was coming right at me. I mean, all four wheels was, were across the double yellow line, completely in my lane. There was no car for them to pass. They just had swerved over. I had to run off into the ditch. And it angered me. And I was angry. I had my wife with me. What jerk could do that? Who could do that? Who could jeopardize my life, the life of my wife? And I thought to myself, I wish there was a way they could be held accountable for that. You know, at least give them a fine or something for doing that, for running me off the road. And God started speaking to me through this book of Jonah. Isn't that how us Christians are? We want to see everyone except us punished. We, we want to see everyone Come to justice. We want to see them brought to justice. We want to see them pay. You ran me off the road. I want, to, I want you to pay for what you did to me. That's what Jonah's about. That's what the book of Jonah's about. But God, he prefers to reach out to the sinner. He preferred. That's his preference. Judgment is always last. God, you, you look, at there's stories in the Bible where God waits hundreds of years before he exercises judgment. That We have an example right now. Our very own nation right now should be judged with as much innocent blood as we shed, as sinful as this nation or We should have been wiped off the map. I wake up every day wondering if today's going to be the day. But Jonah teaches us that his nature, his very nature, his preference is mercy and salvation and calling sinners to repentance. God prefers to reach out to offer salvation to a godless city filled with violence. We want to see him brought to justice. God's very own people many times aren't on board with what God wants. We aren't. We aren't. That's what the book of Jonah is all about. Do you see it now? It's not just about some dude gets punished by the Lord and gets swallowed by a great fish because he's afraid. No, it's a book that teaches us you can't be self-righteous. God wants to save those people. 
Many times we work with people, cantankerous people, people that are unsaved, that rub you wrong, that get on your nerves, that say foul and vulgar things, and we can't stand them. And all the while, God's saying, I want that person saved. I want them saved. I want them brought to salvation. But we can't see it. We want to see them judged for their evil actions. And Jonah, this story that's thousands of years old, it's right before our eyes, and we can't even understand it. Been there for all these years, and we have such a hard time seeing it. That's what the book of Jonah is about. If I can ask the band to make their way back, don't tune out just yet on me. Brothers and sisters, how many times have we wished in our hearts for God to judge those godless sinners? How many times have we done that? Do you know how easy it is, how, how easy we fall prey to that, especially in the climate we live in now? Especially in the nation that we live in now? We live in a nation that has said no to God. We live in a nation that has, for the most part, rejected God. Rejected Him. Rejected His Word. Rejected His commands. Rejected His statutes. We've rejected the Lord. And we see this. It bothers us. And it's so easy to slip into that, that mindset of, God, I want to see them judged. Bring them to justice, God. How many times have we wished it? How many times have we desired judgment and destruction on our nation's leaders when they enact abortion laws? Are they going to pass that? God, judge them. Get them, Lord. How many times do we see the LGBTQ crowd and want God to rain down fire and consume them like the sons of thunder? And the whole time God's up there saying, you want me to destroy them? I'm trying to save them. You know, Jesus didn't come into this world to condemn we condemn ourselves. We're condemned already. He came to save. How many times has someone offended you? How many times has someone done you wrong? And people do do us wrong. They do. There are people who can be do offensive things to us. And you long to see them brought to justice. In our heart, we want to see them crash and burn. Jonah was so angry at those vile sinners. They were murderers and thieves and drunkards. He was so angry that they weren't destroyed, he actually asked the Lord to take his life from them. He's so blinded with self-righteousness. He's so blinded at his version, his messed up, jacked up, perverted view of justice, that he asked the Lord to take his life from him. That's something for us to think about this morning, isn't it? Especially in a nation that is similar to Nineveh. We're similar. We're very sexually perverted. We are a sexually perverted nation. We are a nation that sheds innocent blood. We are a violent nation. We are a destructive nation. We are an immoral nation. We are all these things. And it's very easy to get the same mindset Jonah did. Lord, judge them. Judge them, God. Get them, Lord. Rain down fire. Brothers and sisters, 
I hope you now can see a little bit more into these Old Testament biblical authors. They were not dull cavemen scratching out goofy stories on the sides of rocks. It's quite the contrary. Quite the contrary. They were revealing divinely inspired writings that are still applicable today. And I hope that we receive the lesson that is contained in the book of Jonah. Let's stand.